Hi, Dave Emmer here. This is, for the record, program number 1241. How many lies before you belong to the lies, part 14. This is being recorded on April 20th of the year 2022. Uh, before we get into the program, as always, three, actually four links. These are at the top of each written for the record description, I turn each program into a long article link description precisely so people can examine the printed sources upon which my lines of argument are based for themselves. Uh, at the top of each one of those descriptions and also at the top of each Food for Thought post, there are four links. One of those links will enable you to obtain the 32 gigabyte flash drive, which I would emphatically recommend that you do. That has all of my life's work, some 43 years on the air, plus uh, that's printed and audio work, plus a mini library of old anti-fascist books on easy-to-download PDF files. with what is going on, I am, uh, I couldn't be again more pessimistic, so I think people should get a hold of that flash drive. And, uh, in addition to that, another of those links will enable you to subscribe to the podcasts that are being made by Sister Station WFMU. So if podcasting is the best way for you to obtain the program, and that is increasingly the case, then, uh, WFMU is podcasting the program. So click on that link and you can get the podcast. Uh, Another of those links will enable you to obtain the comments, to subscribe to the comments, most of which are made by Perifacto, our brilliant contributing editor to a vote, and some of them by other intelligent listeners. Increasingly, even though I've been doing two shows a week since the Ukraine war began, uh, I'm going to be returning to one a week because it's just too much bleeping work uh, to do for free. Uh, and uh, to fill the gap, I guess you could say, uh, I recommend that you subscribe to the comments that were made, uh, again, the vast majority of them by our brilliant contributing editor, Terrafractal, some by other intelligent listeners. Also, I have begun a Patreon site, and that is uh, taking shape in terms of... Uh, how we're doing it, and what we're basically doing is uh, recording two or three 20-minute segments each week and one roughly one-hour segment, Uh, although I believe, again, in uh, sticking relatively close to the documentation because I think that's important. Uh, These are much less formal presentations, and so I think that will be easier for listeners to absorb. In addition, uh, via the software, those are being turned into written transcriptions of the uh, talks, so uh, you can read if uh, listening is a bit much. And uh, given that there will be two hours a week of the Patreon talks, less formal in presentation, but with uh, the transcription, uh, that should hopefully help to fill the gap once I go back to the one-hour program a week uh, schedule. 
Uh, we will once again be visiting at uh, one level the subject of the Ukraine war, but at another the subject of truth and lies and the Orwellian nature of this war and its coverage. The uh, quote uh, for the title of this series, How Many Lies Before You Belong to the Lies, it comes from the 1976 Heartland autobiography of the late brilliant political comedian Mort Saul. Uh, Mort Saul was one of the investigators for New Orleans DA Jim Garrison. And uh, again, Mort Saul noted in his autobiography how many lies before you belong to the lies. And I think for Americans, uh, that has happened. And I think the uh, Orwellian coverage of the war, again, I, I have described the war and its attendant journalistic coverage, which is really more propaganda than journalism, as rather like the philosopher's stone of the old alchemists uh, who believed that with this mythical philosopher's stone they could turn lead into gold. And uh, via the war and its coverage, uh, institutions and individuals in the West are being transformed into something akin to the fabric of the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory that is maintained, uh, that that institute is supervised by Volodymyr Vyotrovich, it has officially rewritten the World War II history of Ukraine and made the good guys out to be the bad guys in serpent's walk fashion. And uh, that political agenda slash reality has the power of law. Now it is illegal in Ukraine to tell the truth about what the OUN and the UPA did. Uh, I've listened to some of the programs that I've done uh, on the radio in the comfort of my very own home, and uh, it, it is evident listening to the programs, uh, very different than doing them. Uh, I can hear the frustration and anger at the complete mutualization of political reality in this country. Uh, as is well known, uh, Vladimir Putin has uh, described denazification as one of the rationales for the war. And this has been treated as absolute madness, you know, complete fiction, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that is Orwellian, because uh, ever since the Maidan coup, really before the Maidan coup in some of the Food for Thought posts and programs, I have described the political heritage and makeup of the demonstrations and the people in them as basically composed of the successors of the OUNB of Stefan Bandera. To make a very, 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 very long story, very, 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 very short, uh, one of the research materials that is available in the news and supplemental section of the SpitfireList.com website is a 1990 essay by the late Carl Oglesby. It's from Covert Action Quarterly Number 35 from 1990, and it's called The Secret Treaty of Fort Hunt, and it is about the uh, deal to uh, basically graft on the Reinhard Galen spy outfit to the nascent 
CIA as its Department of Russian and Eastern European Affairs. The OUNB is a fundamental part of that. Quoting uh, two pieces of that article, again, it's called The Secret Treaty of Fort Hunt by Carl Oglesby from Corporate Action Quarterly number 35 from 1990. And in that essay, uh, Carl Oglesby notes the following, quoting, his Galen's friend Behera Ost, or Foreign Armies East, that was the uh, Third Reich's intelligence service for the Eastern Front in World War II. One more time. His Galen's FHO was connected in this role with a number of secret fascist organizations in the countries to Germany's East. These included Stepan Bandera's B-faction of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, or OUNB. And uh, skipping down to the end of that essay, uh, the military intelligence historian Colonel William Corson put it most succinctly, quote, Galen's organization was designed to protect the Odessa Nazis. It amounts to an exceptionally well-orchestrated diversion. Uh, Colonel Corson was a commissioned colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps. In uh, combat in the Vietnam War, one of his Marines was literally dying, uh, if not actually in his arms. Uh, Colonel Corson was by his side, and the dying Marine made him promise to go back to the United States and tell the people back there what was actually going on with the war because they were being lied to. Eventually, Colonel Corson, who promised the dying Marine that he would do that, and he did do that, he quit his commission in disgust with the Vietnam War, and he became, among other things, the chief aide to the late Senator Frank Church's investigation of CIA misdeeds in the 1970s. That is to say, the uh, investigation was in the 1970s. Uh, Colonel Corison published a book called The Armies of Ignorance about the U.S. intelligence system. And again, uh, the Galen Organization, which became the CIA's Department of Russian and Eastern European Affairs, the de facto NATO intelligence organization, and finally the Bundesnachrichtendienst, the West German uh, Federal Intelligence Service when West Germany was uh, formally incorporated in 1956. It became the German Intelligence Service. It still provided the U.S. and NATO with the vast bulk of their, quote, intelligence, unquote, on the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. As Oglesby notes, uh, with an organization that was basically a front for the Odessa, for the Nazi SS, uh, it could only be, uh, it, it was only going to provide whatever information would uh, exacerbate the Cold War and inflame tensions between the Soviet Union and the West. It did that. But for our purposes here, the OUNB, which is the parent organization of the Nazi and fascist organizations in charge of the national security establishment in Ukraine. They have been in that position since the Maidan Revolution, and many of them uh, since the Orange Revolution under Viktor Yushchenko. They are the direct heirs of the uh, 
O-U-N-B. President Zelensky, whom we're going to talk more about in uh, just a minute, uh, was quoted as saying that basically for a certain percentage of the Ukrainian people, Stefan Bombera was a hero. And he then goes on to say, that's understandable. That's cool. Well, uh, I think that says more about Zelensky than it does anyone else. I, we're going to be talking not only about what is going on in the, quote, democracy, unquote, of Ukraine, but uh, the activities of the SBU, that's Samuel uh, Bear Union, SBU. I don't know what the Ukrainian uh, is that it stands for. It is the Ukrainian Intelligence Service, and we're going to be talking about that and about a fellow named Valentin Novavichenko, who was its uh, head for a long time, and he ran it along the lines of the OUNB and its military wing, the UPA. Uh, I was doing a little uh, delving back into the past, and I was struck when I uh, dug up some information from the uh, for the from, from the for the record programs. And this, this particular post was from the news and supplemental section from November 11th of 2015. That was eight years ago. <laughs> I noted the following uh, reading from that post: It is impossible. This is from November of 2015, uh, roughly uh, seven and a half years, uh, six, six and a half years ago. It is impossible within the scope of this post to cover our voluminous coverage of the Ukraine crisis. Previous programs on the subject are, and this is as of November 2015, for the record number 777, 778, 779, 780, 781, 782, 783, 784, 794, 800, 803, 804, 808, which we'll be getting uh, revisiting either late in this program or in the next, 811, 817, 818, 824, 826, Volume of documentation about the Nazis and fascists that are being completely dismissed by our media, by uh, Joe Biden, uh, and by the West in general could not be better documented. And I've done that extensively for years. And what I'm going to do as something of an introduction to a long article from the Gray Zone, that is a website that is doing some very good and very courageous coverage of what is really going on in Ukraine and with the war itself. But noting some of the things about the SBU, the Ukrainian Intelligence Service and its head, Valentin Novavichenko, who, like many of the OUNB's successor fascists and Nazis, uh, really got his spark in Ukrainian government uh, under Viktor Yushchenko, uh, the benefactor of the Orange Revolution in 2004. His wife, again, Viktor Yushchenko's wife, was the former Ekaterina Chumachenko of the UCCA, the top OUNB front organization in the United States, and the Ronald Reagan's Deputy Director of Public Liaison.
Uh, one excerpt here from an essay, the, the Return of the Ukrainian Far Right, the case of Vigo Svoboda by Per Andrews Rudling. Uh, this from the volume Analyzing Fascist Discourse, European Fascism in Talk and Text, edited by Ruth Wobak, W-O-B-A-K, W. O.D.A.K. and John E. Richardson, now published in hardcover by Routledge from London and New York in 2013. And uh, uh, Professor Ludling's essay is uh, from pages 228 to 255. An excerpt here. And this directly interfaces with the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory. It represents an Orwellian rewrite of Ukrainian history of World War II. And again, bear in mind that uh, the OUNB was a key part of the Gaiman organization, and that was a front for the Odessa, for the Nazi SS. A reconstructed historical memory is created as true memory, unquote, and then contrasted with, quote, false Soviet history, unquote. Thus, Valentin Malavichenko, SPU director under Viktor Yushchenko, described the task of his agency as being to disseminate, quote, the historical truth of the past of the Ukrainian people to, quote, liberate Ukrainian history from lies and falsifications and to work with truthful documents only. Ignoring the OUN's anti-Semitism, denying its participation in anti-Jewish violence, and overlooking its fascist ideology, Novavichenko and his agency present the OUN as Democrats, pluralists, even righteous rescuers of Jews during the Holocaust. And not only was the SBU doing that, but they interfaced directly with the Ukrainian Institute of Historical Memory and the aforementioned Volodymyr Vyotrovich also uh, gained power, became an official with the Ukrainian government under Viktor Yushchenko. Then when uh, Yushchenko was voted out of power, he was incredibly unpopular, uh, he left, that is to say, uh, Vyotrovich left, and then eventually came back along with Valentin Novavichenko. Uh, from the Blogmire blog by Rob Slane, S-L-A-N-E, from April 11th of 2015, Poland stretches out its hand to the freedom fighters, unquote. Uh, one of the things we have spoken about, and something that is essentially unknown to Americans, actually just about everything is unknown to Americans. There, the average American's idea of an intellectual experience at this point is watching a fire. I mean, they're really just a bunch of complete idiots, frankly. Um, but the Polish-Ukrainian war, something of a war within a war, uh, a, a, a sub-war of World War II, uh, saw the most brutal uh, activities by the OUN and its military branch, the UPA, against the Poles. Uh, the OUN and UPA hated the Poles, and uh, they killed roughly 100,000 of them, many of them in the, mo- in the most brutal fashion. We've uh, already recapped the massacre of the, of the Polish population of Janowa de Lima, J-A-N-O-W-A, D-O-L-I-M-A, I'm probably butchering the Polish pronunciation. But one of the many grotesque 
historical and political realities is the Polish embrace of the successors to the people who did uh, the things that they did in the Polish-Ukrainian War. And again from the Blogmire by Rob Slane, S-L-A-M-E. Unfortunately, the Ukrainian authorities show no signs whatsoever that they are about to abandon their admiration of those responsible for these horrific crimes. To the contrary, they seem to be intent on admiring them all the more. As the SBU head Valentin Novobichenko's recent words indicate, quote, SBU does not need to invent anything extra. It is important to build on the traditions and approaches of the OUN-UPA Security Service. It, the OUN-UPA Security Service, worked against the aggressor during the temporary occupation of the territory. It had a patriotic upbringing, used a counterintelligence unit, and had relied on the peaceful Ukrainian population using its support. We're going to see what the uh, SBU has been doing under the, quote, democratic leadership, unquote, of uh, Zelensky in a minute. Uh, still more from the Eurasia Daily of June 25th of 2015. Yarosh comments on the dismissal of his friend, unquote, Malavichenko. The leader of the right sector extremist group, Dmitry Yarosh, believes that the dismissal of the chief of the security service, Valentin Malavichenko, was both illogical and untimely. He writes in Facebook that, quote, Malabichenko is his friend who has raised the security service from zero and has neutralized lots of terrorist threats all over the country. I know what I am talking about, as my right sector was involved in many of his special operations against Russian terrorists, unquote, Yarosh said. In the past, Yarosh was Novavichenko's advisor. He's currently an advisor to the uh, chief of staff of the Ukrainian Armed Forces. And the right sector is one of the OUNB successor organizations in Ukraine. And even the Atlantic Council, which is uh, unabashedly uh, pro-Ukrainian and has financing from the World Ukrainian Co- uh, Congress, uh, one of the OUN offshoots, uh, by Brian Mefford, M-E-F-F-O-R-D, from the Atlantic Council of June 18th of 2015. Switching spy masters amid war is risky. Valentin Malavichenko, head of the Security Service of Ukraine, or SPU, is in trouble again. On June 15th, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko said he was, quote, unsatisfied, unquote, with Malavichenko's work. Three days later, Ukraine's parliament dismissed him. Poroshenko bloc MP Sergei Lyshenko released a document confirming old rumors that right sectors Dmitry Yarosh worked for Nalavichenko when he was a member of parliament from 2012 to 2014. While the connection between the two raises some questions about the events of Euromaidan and the origins of right sector, this attack alone wasn't enough to discredit Nalavichenko. Yarosh is now a member of parliament and an advisor to the chief of the general staff of the Ukrainian army. In other words, Yarosh has been legitimized by the political establishment. Yes, he has been, and so has uh, Valentin Novobichenko, who uh, ran the SBU along the lines of the OUNB, part of the Gaylord organization, and itself a front for the Nazi SS Odessa. 
Uh, there is a very good article, a very courageous article, uh, in the Gray Zone blog. Uh, there are a lot of things that are being dished out by the mainstream media, including the, quote, respectable, unquote, New York Times, the publisher of the Warren Report. Uh, in today's New York Times, today being Wednesday, April 20th of 2022, uh, there is an op-ed column by Brett Stevens called Why We Admire Zelensky. Uh, uh, you should say why I admire Zelensky. But um, again, it's presumed that everybody likes this um, explicit deleted. And the uh, subhead of this op-ed column, Ukraine's president shows that democracies can still produce great leaders. <laughs> uh Long story nature, Ukraine is not a democracy. They still have elections, but political opposition is suppressed either through censorship and or intimidation and or political assassination. That has ramped up enormously during the war. Uh, Zelensky has outlawed uh, various political parties, some of which are associated with the very large Russian ethnic Russian minority in Ukraine, a nice chunk of that minority has seceded in the Dnipro Republic uh, and the civil war that uh, has uh, surrounded that. But there are, one of the, the ironies about uh, describing the Ukrainian nation of Ukrainian people, it is a true multicultural and multi-ethnic state. Uh, Ukraine, in addition to uh, U- Ukrainians, uh, it's a country that has been uh, occupied at various points in history by the Poles, by the Russians, by the Austro-Hungarian Empire, by the Nazis, and there are very large ethnic Hungarian, ethnic Romanian, and even largest is the ethnic Russian minority. There was a large Greek minority, and these large minorities also have their own languages to or did until the post-Maidan government outlawed the use of other languages in uh, governmental proceedings, schools, and media. That didn't sit real well with the uh, Russians, by the way, or or any of the others. But uh, in terms of seeing the population and the civic makeup of Ukraine accurately, it is a multi ethnic and multilinguistic state, or was uh, multilinguistic until the post-Maidan government. But one of the things that Zelensky has done is, in addition to ramping up the intimidation uh, and flat-out assassination of uh, political opponents, he has outlawed opposing political parties, ranging from uh, doctrinaire leftist parties to parties associated with the ethnic Russian minority to others. And one of the elements of brutal administration of the, quote, Democrat, unquote, Zelensky, uh, is the aforementioned SBU, the Ukrainian Intelligence Service. I also want to mention a guy uh, that we're going to be talking about probably in our next 
program, most of all. Uh, and that is a guy uh, named Anton Gereshenko. You will also see his name transliterated from the Cyrillic alphabet as Hereshenko, uh, with an H. He is uh, a powerful interior ministry official, closely associated with the OUNB milieu, and uh, someone who has been involved in uh, doxing and harassing journalists, uh, some of whom have been assassinated, apparently, but with the uh, complicity of the SBU. And uh, he's also been an unabashed apologist for the murder of any Ukrainian politicians who are seen to be, quote, collaborating, unquote, with the Russians. In particular, uh, mayors of towns who have attempted to either work out safety corridors so that their citizens could flee combat zones or work out any sort of accommodation uh, with the Russian forces in order to uh, basically uh, ameliorate the suffering of the citizens of the towns that they were elected to serve uh, is seen as a traitor. I would point out that uh, uh, any individual or institution that does not uh, permit citizens to flee a war zone or who uses citizens as targets. And there are very credible information, uh, there is very credible information that the Ukrainian military has used civilian institutions uh, for military positions. That is considered a war crime. So is uh, forbidding people to flee a war zone. That is a war crime as well. If, if they can reasonably get out of the line of fire quite reason, you know, uh, quite literally, uh, and you prevent them from doing that, that is a war crime. And the uh, one of the things that uh, Anton Gereshenko has been doing is celebrating the execution and torture of mayors of towns that attempted to work out some sort of accommodation with the Russian troops on behalf of the citizens of the towns that they were elected to serve. Um, that does not sound like my idea of democracy, but to give you an idea of how grotesque that Stevens column is, and this really is, is characteristic of uh, the alchemy that I have spoken about. When you have uh, Nancy Pelosi greeting uh, Volodymyr Zelensky at that grotesque video presentation with Slava Ukraini, that is the salute of the OUNB. And as I've said, it is under uh, Joe Biden that the process of Nazification of America has been completed. Uh, this, by the way, should not uh, be considered an encomium for Donald Trump or the GOP. One of the ironies of the uh, material I covered in uh, Public Record 1239, actually I think it was in 1238 and 1239, but the Daily Mail of the UK, which is a right-of-center publication, uh, they do have some good articles, but they got information uh, and files from Hunter Biden's discarded laptop, and they have verified the authenticity 
of the emails, and it shows uh, Hunter Biden as having expedited uh, the formation of some of the biological warfare dual-use programs in Ukraine that heavily overlap the programs that were used uh, to uh, basically position the Wuhan Institute of Virology as what I have called the Oswald Institute of Virology. Uh, it was Team uh, Trump that uh, got a hold of that laptop and they were hoping to tar Team Biden uh, with, you know, apparently there's a lot of, you know, porno and other smutty things on there. But what but those files are absolute dynamite, literally, and if this will never happen, but if they were properly investigated, it would send Team Trump to prison and it would send Team Biden to prison and that will never, ever come to light, but it is explosive and one one of the many grotesque ironies is that it basically presents uh, the it, it positions the Russians as having everybody's back, literally, uh, the whole world, uh, which was attacked with the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19. And we made it, and we launched the attack, including uh, doing a, a Northwoods program on our own citizens. Some 15 million dead I've seen, the figure as high as 20 million, but that will never ever come up. Not even the so-called progressive sector will touch that one. They'll keep everybody uh, transfixed with the uh, detailed discussion of the South San Francisco left-handed lesbian stone collective or the San Fernando Valley albino Mexican-American Civic League or other things that really have uh, no uh, overriding significance, but they won't talk about that. And the mainstream press won't touch it either. Uh, It was Stunning to me that the, the Daily Mail uh, got that one out. But again, they, they were probably hoping to, tear, to, to tar Team Biden, which it would do. It would send Team Biden to prison for war crimes, but it would do the same thing for Team Trump. Uh, the deep state has never been more visible than in the transition from Trump to Biden. But to give you an idea of uh, what <laughs> the democracy, unquote, that uh, Brett Stevens is talking about. And he says, why we admire Zelensky? Ukraine's president shows that democracies can still produce great leaders. Let's take a look at that democracy and what that great leader is really doing. From the Gray Zone, this is an article by Max Blumenthal and Isha Krishnaswamy, that's E-S-H-A-K-R-I-S-H-N-A-S-W-A-M-Y. One last traitor, unquote. Zelensky oversees campaign of assassination, kidnapping, and torture of political opposition. Again, by Max Blumenthal and Esha Krishnaswamy from the Gray Zone of April 17th of 2022. Uh, when I get the description for this For the Record program published, or you can go either to the Gray Zone, or it has also been reprinted in uh, Consortium News, take a look at the many pictures, not only the pictures of tortured and murdered political opposition, or even just anyone suspected of, quote, collaborating, unquote, with the Russians, and the uh, Twitter videos of SBU beating and torturing people and uh, of uh, POWs being executed. And in particular, uh, the uh, videos uh, of and, and still photos of Roma 
who have been uh, tied to lampposts and painted uh, with uh, Ukrainian colors or had their faces painted green. One woman was taped to a lamppost and her pants were, were torn down. Uh, it is reminiscent of uh, the, quote, street humiliations, unquote, that were uh, committed by the UPA and the Einsatzgruppe in Nachtigall when they committed the pogrom in the love on June 30th of 1941 and killed some four to five thousand Jews. The political officer of the UPA was uh, oh, I've gotten his name offhand. Uh, he was uh, a uh, SS man and he was uh, the minister of uh, of emigres under Adenauer. I'll remember it probably later in the program. I certainly have it uh, uh, in uh, numerous programs. Oh, Theodore Oberlander. That's it. It was on the tip of my tongue. Uh, the Shukhevich Fest that I've spoken about is a celebration of Roman Shukhevich, the leader of the UPA and the Einsatzgruppe and Nachtigall that committed that uh, pogrom. But one of the things about that that uh, group, they stripped and raped and then murdered many Jewish women. They, they've got a particular kick out of basically stripping these women and exhibiting their fully naked or partially naked bodies in public before uh, getting rid of them. Uh, there is an eerie echo of that. If you look at the videos that are embedded in this article, where a, uh, a Roma woman who had fled, I think it was Lvov, the same city that celebrated the uh, Roman Shukhevich, and uh, she was taped to a lamppost with her hands behind her back and her pants were taken down, and she's basically trying to cover her uh, private parts uh, while some of the videos or interviews her, and it, it really is disturbingly reminiscent of uh, what went on during the June 30th, 1941 pogrom in Lvov. But again, let's let's take a look at what, and, and please do take a look at those videos, because there's only so much that words can communicate. I'm going to do my best, however, again, from the Gray Zone, April 17th, 2022, One Less Traitor, Zelensky Overseas Campaign of Assassination, Kidnapping and Torture of Political Opposition. While claiming to defend democracy, Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky has outlawed his opposition, ordered his rival's arrest, and presided over the disappearance and assassination of dissidents across the country. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has framed his country's war against Russia as a battle for democracy itself. In a carefully choreographed address to U.S. Congress on March 16th, Zelensky stated, quote, Right now, the destiny of our country is being decided. The destiny of our people, whether Ukrainians will be free, whether they will be able to preserve their democracy, unquote. U.S. corporate media has responded by showering Zelensky with fawning press, driving a campaign for his nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize, and inspiring a flamboyant musical tribute to himself and the Ukrainian military during the 2022 Grammy Awards ceremony on April 3rd. Western media has looked the other way, however, as Zelensky and top officials in his administration have sanctioned a campaign of kidnapping, torture, and assassination of local Ukrainian lawmakers accused of collaborating with Russia. Several mayors 
and other Ukrainian officials have been killed since the outbreak of war, many reportedly by Ukrainian state agents after engaging in de-escalation talks with Russia. There is one less traitor in Ukraine, Internal Affairs Ministry Advisor Anton Yeroshenko stated in endorsement of the murder of a Ukrainian mayor accused of collaborating with Russia. Zelensky has further exploited the atmosphere of war to outlaw an array of opposition parties and order the arrest of his leading rivals. His authoritarian decrees have triggered the disappearance, torture, and even murder of an array of human rights activists, communist and leftist organizers, journalists, and government officials accused of, quote, pro-Russian, unquote, sympathies. The Ukrainian SBU Security Services has served as the enforcement arm of the officially authorized campaign of oppression. With training from the CIA and close coordination with Ukraine's state-backed neo-Nazi paramilitaries, the SBU, the Ukrainian Intelligence Service, has spent the past weeks filling its vast archipelago of torture dungeons with political dissidents. On the battlefield, meanwhile, the Ukrainian military has engaged in a series of atrocities against captured Russian troops and proudly exhibited its sadistic acts on social media. Here, too, the perpetrators of human rights abuses appear to have received approval from the upper echelons of Ukrainian leadership. While Zelensky spouts bromides about the defense of democracy before worshipful, worshipful Western audiences, he is using the war as a theater for enacting a blood-drenched purge of political rivals, dissidents, and critics. Quote, the war is being used to kidnap, imprison, and even kill opposition members who express themselves critical of the government, unquote. A left-wing activist beaten and persecuted by Ukraine's security services commented this April. Quote, we must all fear for our freedom and for our lives, unquote. In the next section, torture and enforce disappearances, common practices of Ukraine's SBU. Basically what's going on is what uh, author uh, Blevins referred to as the Jakarta method. Only this is the Jakarta method in Ukraine. Continuing, we, we talked about that in For the Record of 1077. Similarly, Gennady Zhuzhenko, the head of the Ukrainian Military Medical Service, stated in an interview with Ukraine 24 that he, quote, issued an order to castrate all Russian men because they were subhuman and worse than cockroaches, unquote. One more time. Similarly, Gennady Zhuzhenko, the head of the Ukrainian Military Medical Service, stated in an interview with Ukraine 24 that he, quote, issued an order to castrate all Russian men because they were subhuman and worse than cockroaches, unquote. And then uh, Ukraine officials present women tortured and killed by Azov as a victim of Russia. While Western media hones in on Russian human rights violations at home and inside Ukraine, the Ukrainian government has offered a propaganda campaign known as Total War, unquote, that includes the planting of bogus images and false stories to further implicate Russia. In one especially cynical example of the strategy, Ukraine 24, a TV channel where guests 
have called for the genocidal extermination of Russian children, published a photo this April depicting a female corpse branded with a bloody swastika on her stomach. Ukraine 24 claimed that it found this woman in Gostromel, one of the regions of the Kiev Oblast that the Russians vacated on March 29th. Lysia Vasilenko, a Ukrainian member of parliament, and Alexei Aristovich, the top advisor to President Zelensky, published a photo of the defiled female corpse on social media. While Vasilenko left the photo online, Aristovich deleted it eight hours later after posting when one more time. While Vasilenko left the photo online, Aristovich deleted it eight hours after posting when confronted with the fact that he had published a fake. In fact, the image was pulled from footage originally recorded by Patrick Lancaster, a Donetsk-based U.S. journalist who had filmed the corpse of a woman tortured and murdered by members of the Ukrainian Azov Battalion in a Mariupol school basement they had converted into a base. And uh, as it points out at 231 in Lancaster's video, which is embedded in this article, the woman's corpse can be seen clearly. As weapons pour into Ukraine from NATO states and the war intensifies, the atrocities are almost certain to pile. Actually, you know what? I got this in the, uh, I have this in the wrong order here. But uh, anyway, I'm going to, uh, that, that is the last, uh, last page here. I basically, uh, this is over-the-counter journalism, and I, I basically got my pages wrong here. This is the last page of the article, so I'll go ahead and uh, uh, finish this and then uh, go back. As weapons pour into Ukraine from NATO states and the war intensifies, the atrocities are almost certain to pile up, and with the blessing of leadership in Kiev. As Zelensky proclaimed during a visit to the city of Bucha this April, quote, If we do not find a civilized way out, you know our people, they will find an uncivilized way out. And again, <laughs> the Gennady uh, Brzezhenko, uh, the head of the Ukrainian military medical service, stated in an interview with Ukraine 24 that he, quote, issued an order to castrate all Russian men because they were subhuman and worse than cockroaches. That was certainly applied to POWs. Uh, there are, again, many ethnic Russian males in Ukraine proper. It is the largest ethnic minority in Ukraine. Uh, now, the second page of the this article, uh, again, one less traitor. Actually, it's, it's the third uh, page of the article, uh, and this is in the section, Torture and Enforced Disappearances, Common Practices of Ukraine's SBU. When a U.S.-backed government seized power in Kiev following the Euromaidan regime change operation of 2013-2014, Ukraine's government embarked on a nationwide purge of political elements deemed pro-Russian or insufficiently nationalistic. The passage of decommunization laws by the Ukrainian parliament further eased the persecution of leftist elements and the prosecution of activists for political speech. The post-Maidan regime has focused its wrath on Ukrainians who have advocated for a peace settlement with pro-Russian separatists in the country's east, those who have documented human rights abuses by the Ukrainian military, and members of communist organizations. Dissident elements have faced the constant threat of ultranationalist violence, imprisonment, and even murder. 
The Ukrainian security service known as the SPU has served as the main enforcer of the post-Maidan government's campaign of domestic political repression. Pro-Western monitors, including the United Nations Office of the High Commission and Human Rights Watch, uh, have accused the SBU of systematically torturing political opponents and Ukrainian dissidents with near total impunity. One more time. Pro-Western monitors, including the United Nations Office of the High Commission, UNOHCR, and Human Rights Watch, have accused the SBU of systematically torturing political opponents and Ukrainian dissidents with near total impunity. The UNOHCR found in 2016 that, quote, arbitrary detention, enforced disappearances, torture, and ill-treatment of such conflict-related detainees were common practice of SBU. A former Kharkov SBU officer explained, quote, For the SBU, the law virtually does not exist, as everything that is illegal can either be classified or explained by referring to state necessity, unquote. Yevon Karas, K-A-R-A-S, the founder of the infamous neo-Nazi C-14 or Combat 14 unit, named after the 14 words minted by Order member David Lane, has detailed the close relationship his gang and other extreme right factions have enjoyed with the SBU. The SBU, quote, informs not only us, but also Azov, the right sector, and so on, unquote, Karas boasted in a 2017 interview. Kiev officially endorses assassinating Ukrainian mayors for negotiating with Russia. Since Russia launched its... Again, one more time here. The SBU informs not only us, but also Azov, the right sector, and so on, Karas boasted in a 2017 interview. Bear in mind that Combat 14, uh, along with the Azov National Regime Militia, have been awarded police powers in 21 Ukrainian cities, including the capital of Kiev. The SBU, quote, informs not only us, but also Azov, the right sector, and so on, Karas boasted in a 2017 interview. Kiev officially endorses assassinating Ukrainian mayors for negotiating with Russia. Since Russia has launched, since Russia launched its military operation inside Ukraine, the SBU has hunted down local officials that decided to accept humanitarian supplies for Russia, or negotiated, actually, that's from Russia, one more time. Since Russia launched its military operation inside Ukraine, the SBU has hunted down local officials that decided to accept humanitarian supplies from Russia or negotiated with Russian forces to arrange corridors for civilian evacuations. On March 1st, for example, Volodymyr Strok, S-T-R-O-K, the mayor of the eastern city of Kremina, in the Ukrainian-controlled side of Lugansk, was kidnapped by men in military uniform, according to his wife, and shot in the heart. On March 3rd, pictures of Stroke's visibly tortured body appeared. A day before his murder, Stroke had reportedly urged his Ukrainian colleagues to negotiate with pro-Russian officials. Anton Garashenko, an advisor to the Ukrainian Ministry of Internal Affairs, celebrated the mayor's murder, declaring on his telegram page, see below, quote, there is one less traitor in Ukraine. The mayor of Kremina in Lukansk region, former deputy of Lukansk parliament, was found killed.
We're going to talk about Kereshenko, the handler of uh, Perfexer, uh, the crafter of the software used in the alleged hack of the DNC, and uh, also uh, someone who is behind the Merot or Prop or Not, a uh, journalistic harassment organization uh, that may very well have been used in the U.S. by the Washington Post. More about that next week. According to Gereshenko, Strzok had been judged by the, quote, court of the People's Tribunal, unquote. And then there's a telegram post by Anton Gereshenko, advisor to the Ukrainian Ministry of Internal Affairs, celebrating the assassination of traitor, unquote, and Crimean Mayor Volodymyr Struck. The Ukrainian official therefore delivered a chilling message to anyone choosing to seek cooperation with Russia, do so and lose your life. On March 7th, the mayor of Gostomel, Yuri Prilipko, was found murdered. Prilipko had reportedly entered into negotiations with the Russian military to organize a humanitarian corridor for the evacuation of his city's residents, a red line for Ukrainian ultranationalists who had long been in conflict with the mayor's office. Next, on March 24th, Gennady Matsugora, the mayor of Kupyansk in northeastern Ukraine released a video below appealing to President Volodymyr Zelensky and his administration for the release of his daughter, who had been held hostage by agents of the Ukrainian SPU intelligence agency. Then there was the murder of Denis Kiryev, K-I-R-W-V, a top member of the Ukrainian negotiating team who was killed in broad daylight in Kiev after the first round of talks with Russia. Kiryev was subsequently accused in local Ukrainian media of, quote, treason, unquote. President Volodymyr Zelensky's statement that, quote, there would be consequences for collaborators, unquote, indicates that these atrocities have been sanctioned by the highest levels of government. As of today, 11 mayors from various towns in Ukraine are missing. Western media outlets have been following the Kiev line without exception, claiming that all mayors have been arrested by the Russian military. The Russian Ministry of Defense has denied the charge, however, and little evidence exists to corroborate Kiev's line about the missing mayors. And next, next section, Zelensky outlaws political opposition, authorizes arrest of rivals, and war propaganda blitz. When war erupted with Russia this February, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky issued a series of decrees formalizing Kiev's campaign against political opposition and dissident speech. In a March 19th executive order, Zelensky invoked martial law to ban 11 opposition parties. The outlawed parties consisted of the entire left-wing socialist or anti-NATO spectrum in Ukraine. They included the For Life Party, the Left Opposition, the Progressive Socialist Party of Ukraine, the Socialist Party of Ukraine, Union of Left Forces Socialists, the Party of Shari, Ours, State, Opposition Bloc, and Volodymyr Soldo Bloc. Oh, and by the way, the American left has made no protest about this, predictably. Again, they're too busy worrying about the South San Francisco left-handed lesbian stone collected or the San Fernando Valley albino Mexican-American civic league. Can't be bothered to talk about this. Continuing, openly fascist and pro-Nazi parties like the Azov National Corps were left untouched by the presidential decree, however. The activities, quote, the activities 
of those politicians aimed at division or collusion will not succeed, but will receive a harsh response, President Zelensky stated. As he wiped out his opposition, Zelensky ordered an unprecedented domestic propaganda initiative to nationalize all television news broadcasting and combine all channels into a single 24-hour channel called United News, unquote, to tell the truth about war, unquote. Next, on April 12th, Zelensky announced the arrest of his principal political rival, Viktor Medvedchuk, by Ukraine's SBU security services. The founder of the second largest party in Ukraine, the now illegal Patriots for Life, Medvedchuk is the de facto representative of the country's ethnic Russian population. Though Patriots for Life is regarded as pro-Russia, unquote, in part because of his close relations with Vladimir Putin, the new chairman of the party has condemned Russia's, quote, aggression, unquote, against Ukraine. Members of the state-sponsored neo-Nazi Azov Battalion's National Corps attacked Medvedchuk's home in March of 2019, accusing him of treason and demanding his arrest. In August of 2020, Azov's National Corps, one more time, in August of 2020, Azov's National Corps opened fire on a bus carrying representatives of Medvedchuk's party, wounding several with rubber-coated steel bullets. Zelensky's administration escalated the assault on his top opponent in February of 2021 when he shuttered several media outlets controlled by Medvedchuk. The U.S. State Department openly endorsed the president's move, declaring that the United States, quote, supports Ukrainian efforts to counter Russia's malign influence, unquote. Three months later, Kiev jailed Medvedchuk and charged him with treason. Zelensky justified locking away his leading rival on the grounds that he needed to, quote, fight against the danger of Russian aggression in the information arena, unquote. Medvedchuk escaped house arrest at the onset of war between Russia and Ukraine, but is a captive once again and may be used as collateral for a post-war prisoner swap with Russia. The next section will only have time to begin this. Under Zelensky's watch, quote, the war is being used to kidnap, imprison, and even kill opposition members, unquote. Since Russian troops entered Ukraine on February 24th, Ukraine's SDU security service had been on a rampage against any and all iterations of internal political opposition. Leftist Ukrainian activists have faced particularly harsh treatment, including kidnapping and torture. This March 3rd in the city of Dnipro, SBU officers accompanied by Azov ultranationalists raided the home of activists with the with the, the Vizia, or left organization, which has organized against social spending cuts and right-wing media propaganda. While one activist said the Azov member, quote, cut off my hair with a knife, unquote, the state security agents proceeded to torture her husband, Alexander Matrychenko, pressing a gun barrel to his head and forcing him to repeatedly belt out the nationalist salute, Slava, you me. By the way, again, um, Nancy Pelosi did that with no gun barrel to her head. We will continue with the reading of this article and uh, overlap it uh, with uh, the reading we've presented so far in our next program. However, we are all out of time. This concludes for the record program number 1241, How Many Lies Before You Belong to the Lies, Part 14. This is being recorded on April 20th of 2022. I'm Dave Emery.
have fun.